Hey guys! <laughs> Welcome to Dunder Mifflin. This is Pod, delicately curated, long-form discussion of the internationally beloved Office franchise, tailored to the modern fanatic. Brought to you lovingly and weekly, increments by the loquacious yet soothing voices of your host, Riley. I'm actually just a special guest. Oh, that's right. Me, Jake, and Isaac. Quotes from the show. <laughs> and now that you've stopped listening, we'll start. We three. Human the beings. Mighty Ducks. The Mighty Ducks. We... <laughs> the Whitey Ducks. <laughs> <laughs> the Whitey Ducks. We promise there will be women on future episodes. Um, we're fans of The Office. Is that safe to say? Yes, as 20-somethings in America who use the internet, you'd, you'd be surprised that if we got we into use this the internet stuff. and have televisions. <laughs> um, how many times conservatively or liberally would you say that you have watched The Office? <laughs> Moderately? <laughs> Or libertarian, right in the middle, <laughs> center, centrally, or Tea Party early. Oh boy, <laughs> man, that's not a number. That oh. is a kind of person. I like ten, give or take. His name is Andrew. Is wrong show. <laughs> I ten ten through season six or seven. I'd say about ten at least. Okay, I would I would say about the same for me. Like I have watched the first five seasons of the office probably upwards of 10 times i have seen seasons seven through nine once or twice no kidding yeah i well definitely twice because i've watched it through like after it aired but i'm excited when we get to that part of the show i am too i absolutely <laughs> stopped watching the show in season eight like i i didn't watch it oh not even weekly like when it was not on weekly. air no i caught one episode um, I was just like home early one day and watched it before Parks and Rec or whatever came on. And I, I, is it safe to say that a lot of people who were ex-Office fans jumped to Parks and Recreation because they're like, oh, this is like The, the office, office, but good Yes, now. Yeah. So I, I stopped watching at season eight and I jumped back on in season nine because I heard that the showrunner had come back. Uh, and is, is it Mike Schur or Greg? Greg sure. Daniels? Greg Daniels. Paul Lieberstein was the 5, 6, he 7, 8 unf- showrunner. I'm pretty sure he was only season 8, my friend. Jake cutting in here. Isaac was right. I stopped watching in season eight. I started watching again in season nine, and I genuinely enjoyed season nine, what I saw. Um, some things I didn't love, but that's kind of where I'm at with my office fan. Riley, where where are you at? You're our special guest who will probably be on every week. But... No. <laughs> I am not I'm not an office head like you guys. I love the office, but I'm not in love with the office. Oh, well, that's that a good sense. distinction to make. Uh so I've seen through the whole show at least once i know i've seen the finale in all of season eight at least one time other than that i've again i've seen the the first few seasons probably three or four times okay but i've i've You're only half as good as us I half understand. as good as you guys i've only seen the show completely one time watched it completely i don't think i've watched season nine more than once i don't know if i rewatched season nine when i rewatched the show because it was only it wasn't on netflix at the time <laughs> I used to buy all the DVDs and, you know, listen I, to all the commentaries, watch I all the deleted season scenes. season six is the last season that I bought. Yeah. 
I because by I that think point so. yep. it was on I was online by that point I think and I was like this is kind of dumb yeah. now I'm so, just not feeling it. Basically, this is a chronological breakdown of The Office. We're going to be going episode by episode. We're huge fans. We're going to break it down episodically, episode by episode. Um, plot for plot, in 20, just like our other plot show. Plot by plot, shot for shot. <laughs> and uh, a lot of people have noticed that the pilot is a shot for shot remake of The Force Awakens. Mm. Uh, and the British pilot, <laughs> is which we will be talking remake. about for sure. Oh, so yeah. let's let's talk about this. I'll, I'll, we can pause here. I'll pull up like Office or whatever and i can pull up the actual can i just say here. i really don't like the british i was show. about to say have we all oh, seen Jesus all the british office yes many times i i've tried i i usually peter out i've seen most of it am i the real fan on our show i think you are at the least british of the british one, one. <laughs> i have because... not met two white people in their 20s who do not love the british office so this is pretty hard for me to I'm understand 30. right now well then forget you I'm not no i yet. it's yeah. just like especially like the the further away the american office got from the tone of the british office the, the happier it was got, yeah really it mm-hmm. just because especially watching season two which is objectively like one of the best office seasons yeah sure. like two three or four it just like there, there'd be little moments especially like the the little cutaways to someone doing something random for three seconds yeah like there'd be stuff like that we're like uh, but wow, i just i we people, this is going to be an interesting show because we feel very differently yeah, about the office because i don't think real people now. are funny <laughs> just wow. in their day-to-day life <laughs> I, don't, I don't like season one michael scott he's not a very oh, nice no, guy he's, he's not likable you're he's not, not supposed likeable. to like him well, Exa- but oh, i yeah. want but you do like him later on he becomes likable and even though he keeps because doing of character things, development yes you jagweeds yeah, but his character sucks in season one, so why would I want to watch it? Because yeah, in like in oh. in Gervais never stops being unlikable. So oh. like in real life or in the show, so this why is would tough. I watch that? This is pretty tough. I like I'm, how this show's getting going. Yeah, this is way <laughs> spicier than a Star Wars show. We we all, uh, we all host like Graham off talking together a Star Wars heard podcast. of it. <laughs> heard of it. And by the way, no, you've not. <laughs> uh, but please listen. We would love it. The British Office. It's insane to hear this opinion to me. I mean, it's objectively one of the greatest comedies of all time. Everybody. Okay. I object. (laughs) Ask anybody in comedy, any comedy writer. Like Ricky Gervais. Yeah. If you ask Ricky Gervais, one of the greatest comedies ever made. Comedy writers also like The Simpsons a lot. (laughs) Yeah, of course they do. This is another bone to pick. Yeah. It's a really controversial opinion that I have that the first four seasons of The Simpsons are the is one of the greatest comedies ever made. So just for clarification, Isaac and I don't care about The Simpsons and don't. Yeah, like you don't it. like hate it, but yeah, yeah. you just you, it's not ambivalent. It's not. Like, yeah, exactly. Okay. So I'm a huge fan of The British Office. I think as a complete artistic whole, The British Office absolutely better than The American Office. But as far as what I enjoy watching, the first five seasons of The American Office probably my favorite comedy ever made so i think that as an experiment in creating a comedy out of a documentary sticking true to a documentary format creating comedy out of real people in real situations the uk office is superior as a comedy that is funny the yeah. first few seasons of the american office I like are my better. comedies to be funny <laughs> but the british office is really really funny i don't find english people funny I'm just going to put that out here. Right I now. wish that we weren't turning off all of our fans immediately. <laughs> we don't have them. So yeah. hopefully we're developing them. 
a bunch of English people. Okay, let's jump into the pilot though. So the Whoop. interesting thing about the pilot. He is puts that, a stapler in Jello. Well, that was very interesting. <laughs> a very interesting scientific thing he did. <laughs> oh, damn it! Damn. Okay. Uh, hold on, hold on. Judge is in session. What is the problem here? You put my stuff in Jello again. <laughs> That's real professional. Thanks. This is the third time, and it wasn't funny the first All two right. times I did. Right. What is that? It's my stapler. No, 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 no! Do not take it out. You have to eat it out of there because there are starving people in the world, and which I hate, and it is a waste of that kind of Okay, food. you know what? You can be a witness. Can you reprimand him, please? How do you know it was me? It's always you. Are you gonna discipline him or not? Ooh, discipline, kinky. <laughs> All right, here's the deal, you guys. The thing about a practical joke is that you have to know when to start as well as when to stop. Yeah. And yeah, and Jim, now is the time to stop putting Dwight's personal effects into Jello. <clears throat> okay. Dwight, I'm sorry, because I've always been your biggest flan. <laughs> oh, nice. Dude, that's the way it is around here. It just kind of goes around and around. You, uh, around. you should have put him in custody. Oh, hey. Yes, new guy. And he scores. Okay, that's great. I guess uh, what I'm most concerned with is uh, damage to company property. That's all. Pudding. Pudding. I'm trying to think of another dessert to do. The first episode of The American Office is, as much as we like to joke about A New Hope and Force Awakens being shot for shot remakes, this is actually a shot for shot <laughs> yeah. remake and plot for plot and line for line. Put my stapler inside the jelly again. That's the third time he's done it. It wasn't even funny the first time. Why has he done that? Just told him once that I don't like jelly. And trust the way it moves. Yeah, you showed him a weakness. He pounced. You should know about that. Oh, uh, what is in it? It's my stapler. Well, don't do that. Well, eat it out. There's people starving in the world, which I hate. So, and it's a waste. So, how do you know it's yours? Because it's got my name on it in Tipex. Yeah, don't eat it now in chemicals. Right, you can be my witness. Give him an official warning. How do you know it was me? It's always <laughs> you. Can't you. Can't you discipline him? Oh, kinky! <laughs> No, the thing about practical jokes is you've got to know when to stop as well as start, and now's the time to stop putting Gareth's personal possessions in jelly, all right? Gareth, it's only a trifling matter. <laughs> Here we go. We're always like this. You oh, should God. put him in custody. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to fit in here. We're like Vic and Bob, aren't we? And, then, and one extra one. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I'm more worried, really, about damage to company property, that's all. I'm just trying to think of other desserts mm -hmm. to do. Headshot for headshot. Hey, you know what? Great point. And Steve Carell's hair is really bad. Talking head for talking head. Before that man was able to afford hair plugs, <laughs> he was in the pilot of the American Why office. Why is Steve Carell legitimately too poor to afford hair plugs and he just like got a fat contract between 40-year-old virgin and... I would say that's absolutely know. the case. Yeah. He was on Strangers with Candy and zero other... In the Daily Show. Daily Show, show yeah. yeah. And then this. And he was Brick and Anchorman in 2004? Oh, that's right, 2004. Which, so that's simultaneous when... probably with season one. <clears throat> and, of course, The Office pilot aired, and I know this is off the top of my head, March 24th, 2005. <laughs> I don't have the Wikipedia open. I just know that as a fan. Are you so, going to bring that bit over from The Lost Podcast? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of bits from The Lost Podcast I make it over. <laughs> Let's rank it on a scale of Sankin to Bankin at the end of it. No, just kidding. So... <laughs> Yikes. Um, 
this episode is almost line for line a remake of the British office. It was a young Guatemalan guy. First job in the country, barely spoke English. Came to me and said, Mr. Scott, would you be the godfather of my child? Wow, wow. Wow. Didn't work out in the end. We had to let him go. He sucked. My proudest moment here wasn't when I increased profit by 17% or cut expenditure without losing a single member of staff. Uh, it was a young Greek guy, first job in the country, hardly spoke a word of English, but he came to me and he went, Mr. Brent, will you be the godfather to my child? So, didn't happen in the end, we had to let him go, he was rubbish. He was rubbish. But, I want to talk about this episode. We don't have to talk about it, like, beat by beat or anything, but as a fan of The Office, Isaac, when you watch the pilot, is it, like, enjoyable for you, or is it... Are you like me, and do you kind of generally not watch the pilot when you rewatch all The Office? Um, I think there have been times where I have skipped either the pilot or season one, depending on my mood. I I have started with the Dundies before. Absolutely, I, I have. I yeah, yeah, through. yeah. But I sometimes will like it, it's definitely the one where I'm paying the least attention because it's it's like a lot of other like the the Seinfeld pilot is well documented as just like so tonally different. You have different characters, different stages, different everything that just make it not feel like part of the show because with the, like any show, like you wouldn't be able to watch Seinfeld and like skip the contest and you couldn't watch The Office and skip Casino Night. There's like episodes that just are so interwoven in like the the fabric of the show that they're just, they're they're, they're part of the story. But the, the pilot just feels so isolated and also with the knowledge that it is so close to the, the British version. So it's it's really these weren't even characters yet. This was just a current a previously existing show with people with American accents as stand-ins. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really funny. Um it's still like a very good episode of television, but because it's adapted from the British version, like the, the British version is is better in my opinion. Like it, it's a Stronger episode of television because it's the original and the I, language is specific to what they were trying to do. I have to agree with that too because I mean, like it. Li- I mean, if you're the first to think of the idea and the next person just literally rips the idea, <laughs> yeah. it's hard to consider the other one better. I mean, the prank of putting Dwight Stapler in Jello, putting Jello makes yeah, putting Jello <laughs> makes more sense in the British office, but I think. That a lot of the important dynamics of the show are established. I mean, all of your main characters are basically here. You have Michael as the clueless jerk. He's meaner in this episode oh, and more totally clueless in this episode. Yeah. I mean, this is our receptionist, Pam. Pam! 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 Pam Beasley. Uh, Pam has been with us um, for forever. Right, Pam? Well, I don't know. If you think she's cute now, you should have seen her a couple of years ago. What? Uh, any messages? I would say first two seasons of The Office, uh, he is meaner than he is in later seasons of The Office. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. He just... In, nowhere in season one 
do you learn that Michael just wants to be loved? Because that's what you learn as the show goes yeah. goes through. Like he's he's trying to adopt the office as his surrogate family. And I think the first time you really understand that probably is take your daughter to work day. The, no, I'm sorry, not take your daughter to work day. Um, what's it What's it called? Where they bring their children to work? <laughs> just take your daughter to work day. Ah, yes, because it was. Maybe it's just take your child because Meredith brings her her son. Yeah, you know? but I, I get think that maybe confused. that was a joke. I get that confused because Arrested Development has a "Take Your Daughter to Work Day" episode that confuses me. So that's the episode where he plays the clip of him on the children's show, Ooh. where he talks about how the fact that he wants to have a hundred children so you could have a hundred friends and nobody can say no to being his yeah. friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of the moment where Michael's character maybe will realize that's not the case as we rewatch a show but that's where his character is kind of unlocked in my opinion is you understand what his motivation is as a human being it's interesting like the the british office that's very much the same thing like david brent is just a guy who really really wants to be liked but fundamentally doesn't understand but he's played by ricky gervais so he can't be <sighs> see but here's the thing that's one of the greatest comedic performances ever is him as david brent the unfortunate thing is that once Ricky Gervais got famous, really after people extras, realized he actually was David Brent. He kind of wasn't though. Like <laughs> from the Ricky Gervais show, like his podcast and extras, which is a really really good show. He was a very tolerable person and a good comedian, and he just sort of became the most insufferable person alive. And he absolutely is David Brent now. This but, is getting ahead of ourselves because sure. I'm not going to be on a bunch of episodes, but. The that one show intro where David Brent comes to the office. Sorry, oh. mate. Oh, sorry, mate. Excuse oh. me. <laughs> what, are you doing? what are you doing? English. Dude, you're are taking you... the Mickey fix on the wrong person. I've no, 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 no. I'm not picking on you yeah. at all. You're oh, you English, doing? correct? Yeah, big time. Yeah. I'm yeah. working on an English character. Would you mind? Give... I'm... It's called Reginald Poofta. Oh, <laughs> David Brent, my liege. How are you? <laughs> Michael Scott. Oh, bloody hell. I, I do characters as well. I'm, I've got a, I've got a Chinese fella, not politically correct, but he's called Holy. That's <laughs> what it sounds like. <laughs> I do beans. Hero. You can't do that these days. I can't mean, no, 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 no. And people don't understand that it has nothing to do with making fun of a, of a different nationality. No, 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 comedy is a place where the mind goes to tickle itself. That's what she said. <laughs> uh, like the American office? Oh, the offense? American office. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Does not age well. No. When you have him and Steve Carell talking <laughs> about how people are just too sensitive and, you know, He's not racist. I'm just playing a character. Oh, People don't understand. I mean, it's, it's kind like, of the joke because both of them are clueless racists. You know, like Michael has yeah, Ping and David Brant has but, a character. But when you know that Gervais is saying that in earnest, he's kind because of, he actually true. believes it. That's true. That's the part that doesn't age well. It doesn't work. I mean, if we're going to be jumping ahead, the show completely loses me when it starts having unironic celebrity guest stars like, yeah, let's like have... Will Ferrell and Jim Carrey and Ray Romano. Let's on get the ahead show. of ourselves again. Because sure. Let's well, the pilot it. of Let's our talk about podcast. The, last one. the character of D'Angelo Vickers, to me, I, I've I've gotten to twenty six years on this earth, and <laughs> I've still I've still never decided whether. Have we congratulated you on that? By the way. <laughs> by the way, thank you for saying that. I haven't, but I will one day. In my heart, it's been said. Thank you. And here we are. But I've never fully, like, fleshed out whether or not I like or dislike Will Ferrell. Like, I've always oh, been on the fence on him my entire life. That is and the thing is, 
his performance as D'Angelo Vickers, he brings out every like Will Ferrell trick in the bag that makes me think that I, I don't think I like Will Ferrell. Where uh, he like makes it loud and awkward, but not in a good way. And just like a, a, a total deadpan, like kind of making me uncomfortable, but not in a good way. There's like all of the, the bad Will Ferrell isms for me personally come through in D'Angelo Vickers. And it makes me not like those episodes. I was excited when he was coming on. Like, man, this has a lot of potential. Will Ferrell and Steve yeah, Carell they're... were like playing off each other. And it works a couple times, like with the, the, the Dundies and the instances like that. But Dundies yeah. definitely works, I think. Yeah, with Will, with Will Ferrell, I like the Will Ferrell done. <gasps> the Vickers, the lead up to it—that's tough. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. what like. No. There's some real great moments when they're slapping each other in the bathroom and stuff. I still just laugh. I can't defend any of that. I'm excited to rewatch it. <laughs> just kidding, but I, I love Will Ferrell. Hate D'Angelo Vickers. I hated that stuff. And this is like I, Anchorman is one of my all-time favorite comedies. I love. Talladega Nights and Step Brothers, and I love all of his movies. Not all of his movies, but I like most of his big movies. I thought it was absolutely a mistake to put him on the show. And I like this is where here's my feeling here. Me and Jacob Kreitz, right here, right now, talking to you, my friend Isaac Recksteiner. Hey, buddy. And our the, guest. The documentary and our he's guest. Not, he's not talking to Riley me. Bowman. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> you sit over there and think about what you've done. I, when the show breaks away from caring about being a documentary, I that's when I really start to lose the show. Like, I guess I don't want to reveal if we're doing an episode-by-episode episode discussion. I'll, I'll say it, and we'll see if it holds up. In my opinion, where the show ceases to become the office that I know and love is when they go to the Utica branch dressed in fake mustaches. <laughs> and that is the most cartoonish thing I've ever seen in my life. I remember watching it as a young man and thinking, what is my favorite show doing right now? This is not Making The me Office laugh. anymore. That's what it's doing. It's, I watch it now and I can tolerate it, but it's no longer a documentary about real human people. And It's just a funny show. But it was more than just a funny show. It was, a, it was the funniest show on television that was constantly like, pushing the boundaries of like what a comedy could be and integrating seamlessly character drama with comedy and sounds like it just then, pushed past the then, point you were comfortable with and then it yeah sorry watch jedi much yeah <laughs> ricky Gervais much uh no it it became a show where people put on mustaches in disguise to break into an opposing office and, really and go on a wily coyote adventure and that's the thing with d'angelo vickers like I have a really hard time as a fan of The Office separating myself from the fact that when Michael and D'Angelo are first meeting, and they're both on their cell phones in the same bar, not realizing that they're talking to the other person. It's really, really funny. It's objectively really funny. But as I'm watching it, I'm like, this is funny, but this is so stupid and is nothing that any real person would ever do. And so that's that's the tough thing for me. I'll tell you, like along those same lines... I just, I appreciate the funny show. For me, like, I was able to reconcile that a little bit because watching later seasons of Parks and Rec, I feel like Parks and Rec, even to a greater degree, ditches the mockumentary format. Like, I think yeah, they kind of bailed it, on it even they quicker. Bailed. Than well, they, I can forgive it because they didn't care from, like, after the first episode, they didn't care. 
But The Office cared for the first three seasons, and then it just like is hit or miss as to when they, they cared care. a lot in season nine, they, which was they and then they at cared. The very end, yeah. Well, that's almost a, to the detriment of the show, where it's like season eight They're all features a scene where it. Dwight is literally on a trapeze doing a Charlie Chaplin routine. And then season nine is like, no, the cameraman's a character on the show. Like, <laughs> it's such a crazy juxtaposition. And, and that's where, I mean, The Office, I, I, I'm going to bring up The Simpsons a lot, unfortunately, because they're <laughs> very, very similar shows. Oh, boy. Like, they really are. Like, they were groundbreaking television series that everybody watches and they were critically acclaimed. Everybody loved them. And then at some point, they seem to fall off the map. But nobody can agree on when that point is, and it depends on when people started watching The Office and when they started watching The Simpsons. Season one. Of The Simpsons? <laughs> well, yeah, that season's not very good. It's kind of like the first <laughs> season of The American Office. But um, what where The Office, I was thinking about this uh, in the last couple of days, because we are at season six now, and my my love for, like, I, I do think if you if you give, like, seasons, like, seven and especially eight, like a few chances, it's it, it's different, but it, I I can still appreciate it because like the, the the characters you you love are still there. So I have I think more love for those seasons than other people might. But where it, it's it's definitely a step off though. Like you really can't touch like like Michael Scott in his prime, like from seasons two through five, and like even a little bit of six. But where it kind of starts to go off a little bit is The Office did such a good job of. The characters did get like a little cartoonish, e- cartoonish eventually, but they started out as kind of normal people. But it's like any like relationship or like people you meet in real life. Everyone seems kind of normal when you shake their hands and you're like, "Hey, how you doing?" And that's your only interaction. But it's like why everyone can kind of see the, the the flaws in like their own family or you live with somebody. You, you can kind of start to see like kind of their more like wild aspects, and it kind of worked that way too in the office where you started to see, like, different sides of Jim and Pam and Dwight and Michael and, and Angela and Oscar. Like, they they started out, at, like, a little bit mundane, but eventually they got a little bit more wacky as you got to know the characters a little better. And even so with Erin uh, in Season 6, when we first meet her, she's kind of just a, a, a person. She's just the new receptionist. Like, she kind of reaches a point of zaniness a little bit quick. But for me, when they in- start to introduce characters like Gabe and Nelly and Robert California, where from Jump Street, their cartoons. That's like, was not my favorite. And it's, there was also specifically the characters of Gabe and Nelly. Yeah. Like, you have a character like Andy Bernard, where at his worst, I didn't like him at all. But even when he was unlikable, there was still a likableness to him where you understood where he was coming from. But with You a know a guy like Andy in yeah. real life. But with Gabe, there was Jacob never... Right. Gabe and... Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? You're not too far off. A character like Gabe, I was never given a reason to like Gabe, and no, I never he's did. He's unlikable. Pam, I have a loaded gun in my desk at work. And if I ever start acting like that weenie Gabe, I want you to take that gun, and I want you to shoot me like a hundred times on the grind until I'm dead, okay? You have a gun in your desk? Somewhere. It's tough because that guy that plays Gabe, Zach Woods, is one of the funniest improvisers in the history of the world. Like, he's genuinely really funny and talented. That character on the show is just nothing. Awful. And Nelly is he's just boring, nothing. too, which is like even worse than just being silly or over the top. Like, yeah. Gabe is just kind of boring. Like, I don't ever care about any of his storylines. The. When Michael was leaving the show. And they decided to keep making The Office a show. They had an opportunity to either A, 
reground the show or b make it wacky crazytownusa.com and they went with Robert California. Like I remember distinctly I do like Robert California though. I remember distinctly. <laughs> I I like him too at, at I, first. I understand but... what you're saying. He probably doesn't fit on the office, mm. but as just like a fun character, I like he, Robert He's a California. fun character. What what I I remember thinking distinctly, I, Ray Romano came in as one of their cavalcade of guest stars. <laughs> Debra! And here's mine. He was a really, really boring guy. Right? Like, if I'm remembering the episode wow, correctly. fired. In the episode. Oh, okay. And in real life. Uh, he was a really boring guy. He kind of botched the interview. And I, I think wasn't his whole thing was like, I blew it. Am I wrong about that? Yeah, you're right. And I remember thinking, oh my god, that's exactly what they should do. They should bring in the opposite Just of Michael. really boring Bring guy. in the most boring, least fun, not like um, Idris Elba, who's a huge stickler, but right. just bring in a total nobody just a to guy. this wacky environment. Who like, cares about them in the least? Yeah, who doesn't it's have any feelings job. about yeah. them? He really is kind of the anti-Michael. Like, like, he wants to specifically move farther away from the office than he is right now. Yeah, exactly. Like, that would be, I was like, that would be great. And then when it turned out to be Robert California, which I remember watching that episode and thinking, oh, James Spader's so funny in this, but I hope that they pick James or uh, Ray Romano. Like that would be a really fun dynamic. Just like uh, Idris Elba was a fun dynamic, and they didn't. And I was like, "Oh, this is not going to be a show that I can deal with anymore." If they're trying to go into Cartoonville, well, yeah, like you said, cartoon. Like that's immediately what I thought of when I was trying to think of how I would describe. Like I said Nelly and Robert and Gabe, and like they're they're just cartoons from. I said from from Jump Street, like there there's no getting to know them and getting to know their wild side. At least with yeah. Nelly, by the end of the show, they make her more likable because you learn that she like has had it rough in life, and so she's given likable qualities, and you can get to know her a little bit. But especially with Robert, he's just like this weird megalomaniac Enigma of a person. And yeah, I I didn't mind Nelly as much as I minded Kathy Bates. I really just and I love Kathy Bates as an actress. She's fantastic. I hated what they did to this character and they're like hey what if we brought in this crazy southern character who had 20 dogs every time she walked in the office wouldn't that be funny and i'm like no it wouldn't be funny well and also like you said if you wanted to ground the show it it, it got a little weird in seasons eight and nine where i was i'd be wondering to myself while watching like people in real life wouldn't put up with this anymore like you had michael scott <laughs> and now you have andy Bernard, which is a worse version of michael scott and yeah endured robert california like these aren't things that would happen you're just creating you know, more funny scenarios i gotta say though as i currently work in well i'm not not so much anymore but when i worked in um, doctor's offices management changed more often than you would think because people who are managers are trying to work their way up the corporate ladder so if they're good or okay they do go up the corporate ladder and they leave and so there is a lot of turnover of management and it i when i started working in office environments i was surprised at how accurate the office was even in, in its wackiest moments and so i am interested to revisit the show in that regard and to see if it rings truer to me as an adult but there's also just things like you can't just bring in 20 dogs into an office and you can't stretch a rope between two buildings and ride across it on a trapeze. <laughs> I maybe you can't. Well, <laughs> Dwight is very impressive. Um but to me like I am a really insufferable human being and you guys know this from hosting a podcast <laughs> with me for over a year. But even and this is just the kind of like kid that I was. 
when they started, they started really in season three, more season four, to introduce camera work into the show that doesn't make any sense for documentary. Like, they'll have multiple shots of a room that don't make any sense because you would be able to see the other cameramen in the room. And I would I've notice never, that I've and think, that. I don't like this. That wouldn't be possible with a documentary crew. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. And I would notice that kind of thing. I've chilled out on that a little bit. I hope so. But I've I actually, that. I absolutely have to suppress my Asperger's syndrome when I watch the later <laughs> seasons of the, and I'm not kidding. I have to absolutely like suppress that when I watch it to be like, okay, that's fine that you would be able to see the other camera person or it doesn't make sense that there's a cameraman in the bathroom. There wouldn't be one. Or things Is like that. a mockumentary just like a difficult conceit to commit to? Like the British office was able to tolerate it for the dozen episodes it was around? I think so. I mean... I guess it's a difficult concept to commit to if you are will willfully trying to make it a uh, like a syndicated sitcom. If you're trying to make an ep a hundred episodes of a show, that would be difficult. But if you're just trying to make a good show that lasts however long it lasts, yeah, you can completely commit to. It. I run into this in the podcast world because I listen to a lot of audio dramas. Yeah, and the majority of them choose the setting of a mock like a mockumentary type thing like they're trying to d discover something like an they're NPR, like serial but yes but fiction yeah. with you know something crazy that's happening aliens or whatever and so many podcasts choose that setting and you can only do it for so long before you have to say i happen to have my field recorder with me as i met up with this person to talk yeah. about this thing <laughs> and this is like there's only so many ways so like if you i prefer these days ones that just sort of just forget the whole thing like, movies, you don't ever wonder why there's a camera in a well, movie. exactly. Because you're just watching it. So that's, you know, a lot easier to do. You're just, like, you're just seeing these people. Like, I'm I'm the kind of person, I do have some kind of low-grade autism or something. I don't know how to describe it. But, okay. like, I'm a kind of person who would be like, why would the cameraman be at their house right now? Like, that's their home. They wouldn't have known to just go to, to their home and have another cameraman inside their home at this specific time. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make any <laughs> sense. And, like... I would be distracted and miss half the episode because I'd be thinking about that. <laughs> and that's when I realized that I should see a doctor and go on medication. And yeah. it helped my brain. <laughs> and now I can do a podcast with friends. So that's the kind of person that I am. <laughs> so as so it, this is really an exploration of Jake <laughs> more than The Office. Will it be breaking my sanity towards season eight? Breaking yes. Jake. That's breaking Jake. That's our, next step. that's our next show we're going to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, no, no. But now I'm uh, able to watch it and just enjoy it as a comedy, I would say. Yeah, I kind of want to do when we go through this too. I it'd be fun to like definitively rank all the episodes. Like go through like yeah. we do the pilot and then we do the second episode. Like do you rank this higher or lower? And then the next one, where would you rank higher this? Higher or and, lower? Yeah, I yeah. mean, at you got to remember how we did our like dedication episodes thing at the beginning of grandma talking seems like a fun idea once you get to like seven <laughs> dedications is, it gets difficult i thought about this for the it's show like 120 before. episodes of the office yeah by the time you get to five dozen episodes of the office like you already know in your head like when we get to like niagara we know like this is yeah. gonna fall in a range so we don't have to go like is it higher than your bottom the next bottom the next bottom you don't have to go up the ladder i mean you know a range what i'm really excited about i mean it, it was fun when i finally did watch season eight that i had like new office episodes that i'd never seen before um so i'm, I'm interested to rediscover them like recently my wife is actually she's a bigger office fan than me she's i don't know why i'm hitting the table but she is and uh like i'll just come home some days and she's 
she's like, hey, I'm on season seven of The Office. I'm like, what are you talking about? Chelsea's definitely a bigger and, Office fan than me. Yeah, yeah, so she's watched the entire show through many times, and like she'll be watching an episode, and she'll be like, oh, this is a good one. And I'm like, I don't remember this at all, because it's some episode after Michael Scott left that I have no memory of. So I am that kind of guy. Um, so I'm really excited to re-explore certain things but i i would want to say that i think the first season of the office is very good contrary to popular belief going back like i i could even skip the pilot and i can i can tolerate the rest of season one it's like um was the last one hot girl is that literally it's called hot girl is the last one to see yeah like hot girl and basketball like both those are great like diversity day diversity is really good yeah there's like iconic moments from the show period that happen in season one i mean it's definitely not a throwaway and for as much as it's like i i remember um you and i i was like we introduced bradley our, our friend to the office and he had never seen it before, so we were like, let's start with season two. Mm. And we were over at, at your house, and we started watching it, and I was like, oh, this is like one of the best episodes. Oh, this is one of the best episodes. Oh, this is one. Like, every episode of season two, I remember watching it live. I, I couldn't believe to wa- be watching a comedy where every week, every episode was better than the last episode. Mm. Like, I, I remember that feeling. And that's that's where the show became less special for me. But season one, like, once me and my family started watching the show... Which, that was one of the few things that, like, everybody in the family was really into was The Office. We went out, we bought the first season, and we are like, this is great. Diversity Day is, uh, like, I still think it's, like, an all-time episode. It has mm-hmm. some all-time great jokes. Yeah, because, like, an episode like Diversity Day, like, it's, I, I think, at a certain point in season four, you kind of dropped off of this. Like, especially for the rest of the time Michael's there, like, seasons five through seven... It's really more story based and not just we're setting up a scenario and seeing what happens because you yeah. can there are, when you get to those episodes, it's harder to say the name of the episode and immediately like you know everything about it where you can say the injury, you can oh say God, fun yeah. run, yep. you can say grief counseling like is these these words i mean i would say anything in the first six seasons if you say the title i know everything about that episode yeah season seven on i know nothing about any of the episodes Mm -hmm. that's how crazy the like dichotomy is it's just funny to see like the evolution of the show because it season one and two are more of just like there there's i don't want to say there's no story but really jim and pam is the only overarching narrative and the whole thing, and that's just kind of like played with at various points of the season. But you have like it's the carpet. There's a there's poop on the carpet. They're striving for more of an emotional arc as opposed to some kind of story arc in those first couple seasons, mm-hmm. in, in my opinion. And like for the first season, they they really commit to just what is a day in this office. What's a thing that happens during a typical office day, and there being a thing of we have to have a diversity seminar like i've had to go to things like that where you have to go to a diversity seminar because somebody on your staff said something racist so you have to like everybody in the team has to suffer for it (laughs) i've absolutely had that happen and it's very realistic and the show stopped doing that i mean i I still think like the stronger season stronger episodes of later seasons of the show i remember distinctly like andy's play that he was in Mm -hmm. which I remember because I, I know that feeling of feeling really obligated to go to some coworker's thing that they're really proud of. And you're like, oh, God, I guess we have to go to this thing and it's going to suck. 
and it does. <laughs> and then they, somebody just filmed it. Name some names. Okay. Uh, Jimmy. No, I'm just kidding. That's not a real person. Jimmy Mack. Yeah, I had to go to his <laughs> podcast thing. No. <laughs> I was, the, the show, at a certain point, I don't want to say it like kind of got weighed down by its characters because like, it's yes. that's one of the major, major strengths of the show was, I mean, up until you start bringing in Gabe, people like Gabe, I love every single one of those characters. Like there's yeah. things I love about Meredith, Oscar, Kevin, Angela, Stanley. They, they all have their own great things. And like season two, like you said, is just like, we're going to follow Jim and Pam and see how, how they turn out. And the rest of it is just people pulling antics. But by season five, six, seven, you have, well, what are, what are Angela and Dwight up to? What's Andy dealing with right uh, now? Like, what's, is Stanley cheating on his wife? <laughs> well, this is the same thing with The Simpsons, where The Simpsons starts to, like, go downhill is the best Simpsons episodes are Homer. It's a Homer episode, a Marge episode, Bart, Lisa. Maybe it's a side character like Krusty or Apu or something, but... When this show started to really falter is when it would center an episode around Groundskeeper Willie or like some random character that's funny when they're in the show for 20 seconds, but they're not good enough to sustain an entire sitcom episode around. And in The Office does this where all of a sudden you have an entire subplot involving Creed and it's like, no, 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 Creed should just be like, he gets one joke an episode because he's weird and mysterious. You should get the Creed thoughts. Yes, website like that's 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 the his. funniest thing that's ever happened on a show. Or, or he shows up in like blood <laughs> and is like, oh, that's good timing. Or yeah, like, you're like right. at a Halloween party. Like or that's what Creed is there for. The, the best, like the only time that I'm okay with there being a Creed subplot is the time where, it, and it's the watermark. It's yeah, the episode where like he screwed up. He's quality assurance, <laughs> which is established in like episode three or something. It's never brought up, but somebody, one of the writers realized, wait a minute, we have Creed as quality assurance. What if he drops the ball? That would be really funny. <laughs> he gets someone else and, fired. And so it, he, yeah. because we know that he's some grifter con man, devises this crazy scenario to get somebody else fired. I'm okay with that. I'm not okay with Craig Robinson being a central character of The Office. like Because of Hot Tub Time Machine. <laughs> like, Daryl <laughs> is not a central office character. Like, he's really funny. When he's playing off of Michael, and, and that's what you you start to really realize is a weakness of the show is Michael was the central character of the show. You had Michael and Jim and Pam and Dwight. You had characters, and every other character was what is their relationship to our main characters? What what is it like when Michael bashes heads with Toby? Doesn't work when Michael's not in the show, and suddenly Toby is car- like carrying his own story. That that's when it starts to lose it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Michael Scott really is a good character, especially watching this yeah. this time through again. I just he be, just becomes so likable. Like when you really like try to understand him, and that's I think over like the watches of the show. I think Pam might be my favorite like favorite character in the show. Yeah, I'm with you there. Based like if I had to pick like one thing about her that made her my favorite character is how she almost becomes a surrogate mother to michael yeah. like the, the way she like treats him like a parent like it's anytime like michael starts to act up pam knows exactly what to say yes to calm him down and that's always one of my favorite parts of the show like my favorite parts that maybe don't make me laugh and make me feel good is when she like calms him down 
or explain something to him like you would explain to a child, but you need to because this is Michael and he's basically still a child. Yeah, like my favorite moment of the office are things like the fact that when uh, he likes to have her hand him a post-it note every time he's in a meeting, <laughs> so he seems important. So she draws him a picture of a hot dog saying, hiya, buddy. Like, that's one of my all-time favorite jokes in any show. Um, or And then it leads to a really great arc on the show, which is the lecture tour, where like Pam and Michael go on a lecture tour together and she has to babysit him and then sure she he doesn't use to... a chainsaw. Yeah. And then she has to give one of his speeches. Yeah. Like all that stuff is really that good. Episode features the joke and we're off like a herd of turtles. <laughs> oh, it does. That's right. It does. Yeah. It's, it's so good. And uh. yeah, the, the show really falters when it gets away from those things and you can really feel it in the pilot. If we're going to talk about it at all, which is that it is, exclusively about michael jim and pam and dwight it's the off like the uk office the original office david brent was definitively the central character of the show and it was all about because the joke of that show was that some random documentary crew wants to do a documentary about the day in in the life of an office but he is some wannabe comedian who always saw himself as a great performer and he's like i can't wait to show up in front of this documentary crew they do that joke with michael for a little while but i don't think that they really continue it so much like i don't think that that's michael's central goal to be an entertainer i, I think I, he just wants to be loved by he the really just wants to be loved by anybody yeah mm-hmm. like but the, the difference between like the uk office and the american office is like the send-off for david brent is literally one person genuinely laughing at one of his jokes. Like, in the last episode of the UK Office, he makes a little quip as they get an office picture, and uh, the Jim character laughs, and it's like a great... And he, like, smiles, and he's like, oh, I finally made somebody laugh. Whereas the final episode for Michael is, like, this really grandiose adventure of him going to an airport and all this stuff. So, it's just... The Office... The American Office is just, like, a bigger show. Do we ever learn anything about Michael's parents at all? You know what's funny? I was actually thinking about this. This last watch through is we hear references to Michael's mother. We never meet either of his parents and his biological father is more or less never brought up. He mentions his parents got divorced and that's like the extent of his biological father. What's the guy that his mom is dating that he brings up in his birthday episode? Oh, man. It's like Steve or brian i think it's yeah, brian it's, it's a normal name meanwhile your mom is dating brian like because it's that's one of the best episodes of the show is when michael it, it's his birthday the same day that kevin finds out he has skin cancer and he tries to make the whole day about him when everybody in the office is concerned about kevin and it's all these little comments about his worst birthday parties we and- watched uh we watched get smart last night for some reason that, i do want another reason for that right now Here's what you do when you watch Get Smart. You yeah. change the title of the movie to Threat Level Midnight 2. <laughs> Seriously, it works so much better. Yeah, he it acts does. exactly like he does in Threat Level Midnight. He does. He's playing the exact same character. I it, saw it and laughed. I remember it laughing. It actually made it a whole lot better to just imagine that. Because you, you actually have some other characters from The Office, like that's... Todd Packer's in it. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. you, you can just like think, like, oh, this is just another movie that he made with Jeff. a bigger budget yeah Jeff. even like todd packer is an analog to the uk like he has a uk office todd packer uh, analog and it, so much like the first couple seasons of the office really did pull little things from the uk office and, and make entire episodes off of them like 
the Dundies is very similar to the Quiz Night episode of the British Office, but they the American Office is genuinely as a comedy is funnier. It's just broader. It's because it's American and not British. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because ultimately, like where the show <laughs> succeeds, is it the same guy who did like it's for Brooklyn Nine Nine, Parks and Rec, and The Office? Same guy. Yeah, Greg Daniels. Greg Daniels, and he yeah. like isn't it like his main thing is he wants his comedies to have a heart like yeah. he wants you to genuinely genuinely love the characters and that's kind of i think the point of the office is for you to love the characters especially michael and it really it it, it, it kind of stinks that like you you see the writing on the wall of michael's leaving after season seven and you're like oh crap is this gonna suck after season seven and when it turns out to kind of yeah suck for like there's there's little stuff i do like but yeah it's it's definitely such a decided step down yeah when he leaves it's like who are you supposed to love now and they even kind of like almost get fourth wally when you get the season premiere of season nine when they're doing the the talking head with jim and pam together and they're pam's openly talking about like like so why are you guys still here and the yeah is like we're just kind of like seeing how you guys turn out yeah i mean that i remember that moment really distinctly and as somebody who liked the documentary format of the show, I really liked that season nine was finally like, we're going to finish the documentary and release it. And mm-hmm. then the characters will have to watch themselves and how they were portrayed in the show. I liked that dynamic of it. Um, I kind of wish they would have done that sooner, but yeah. Yeah. It's. Yeah. 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 I think if you would have compressed season eight and nine together, if, if, if the sh- Show had ended after. There's eight a good seasons. season between those two. <laughs> so yeah, if, if you you could have taken the the juiciest bits from season eight and nine, if you compress those together, the the show ends after eight, eight seasons. I think nine seasons was just one season too long. It just got stretched out a little bit too much. I it, it's really interesting. Like I'm I'm really my my goal in doing this podcast is to try to figure out where the office breaks for for me because. I'm going to toast that idea right now. <laughs> um, I Because I remember watching the end of season three and thinking, the show needs to end right there. That's the perfect ending to the show. Like, Jim leaning in to Pam's talking head interview and asking her out. And she says, what's the question again? I get chills just thinking about it. It's a perfect ending to the show. You can say that, but then season four has Dinner Party, which is maybe the funniest episode of any show ever made. And season five has some really great episodes, and season six has some really great episodes, and there's some, like, stragglers there in season nine, so it's tough to, like, the show could have ended in season three, but it also could have ended in season four. I'm I'm just interested in shows like that. Like, yeah, they could have ended here, but they kept going, and there was still some really great stuff that happened after that. Because it's just a American television thing, like, it's... We'll milk it until we literally yeah, can't anymore. Like it's there's a there's a benchmark you have to hit before you're considered successful. Like it's if you're a classic si- classic sitcom has to last eight full seasons to be considered yeah. legendary. I guess the sitcom thing is hitting syndication, right? I mean, like that's like you got to hit a, a hundred episodes. That's that's the thing. Like even Arrested Development, which is a really unique show that's been canceled and renewed a couple of times. Like even Mitch Hurwitz specifically reordered season four so that he could make them half hour episodes that could be syndicated he wanted to get that syndication money 
Whereas dramas like Lost and Breaking Bad and like Mad Men, like they can choose, they they can be like, I want to end the show so that we can end the show on a really good note. Let's do two more seasons. We can wrap up the story in that amount of time. And then they can just do that. But I don't think that was ever an option for The Office, which was really huge. And to my memory, the show really didn't get good ratings in the first three seasons. But once it started to be shown on like TBS in reruns, it got really popular when a lot of people thought the show has passed its prime. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is that your memory at all? Like I remember the show getting like a huge ratings boost at a certain point past when yeah. I thought the show was any good. I don't think I ever watched it when it was when new episodes were coming out. Oh, you like watched it? Yeah, I was. Rent. I've been a Netflix Office watcher, and I think that's an interesting thing about it. Like, for a lot of people, The Office was a thing that existed once three or four seasons existed on it, and they started showing it on TBS. Water cooler, copier, TBS. Highlighter, clock on wall, vending machine, calculator, trash bag, lunch break, TBS, Michael, Jim, Pam, Dwight, Ryan, Kevin, Angela, Phyllis, Stanley, Meredith, The Office is on TBS. Welcome to The Office. The Emmy Award winner for Outstanding Comedy Series is now on TBS. I burned my foot very badly on my foreman grill. Every Tuesday night at 10 on TBS. And they could just watch it after work every day. I I think the like netflix has like it's almost like a meme now of people watching the office on netflix like it has that sort of bingeability yeah as opposed to use a word i don't like it i mean it really does as you watch a season there's an overarching like story that will continue from episode to episode in some at least some small way Mm -hmm. i want to get a uh before we end this a feeler on you isaac like is there a point there it is i wish i could reach you from all the way over here (laughs) um is there a point in the show where you're like "Eh, i'm i'm pushing myself at this point my first like when the show was still on i i started watching it live like i started i caught some reruns of after season two was over so that summer like i remember six or something yeah uh, yeah i guess i suppose so but yeah i remember it was a show i'd heard plenty about and, like, I thought, it looks funny from the commercial. You just, whatever reason, I never started watching. But, yeah, I caught some reruns, and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And so I got all amped up for the Season 3 premiere, and I got the Season 2 DVD, like, the day it came out. And so from then on, like, I was a, a super fan. So, I mean, I I wasn't exactly a ground floor watcher, but good enough to consider myself, like, I'm in this yeah, long yeah. haul. And I remember it was probably a few episodes into Season 8, like, when Michael was gone, and thinking to myself, like, I... I'm kind of in this tonight to watch Parks and Recreation and yep. the office is still on at nine o'clock. And so I'm, I'm going to watch it. Like I, I'm like, I'm, I've made it this far. Why would I stop now? But it wasn't, it was no longer like a highlight of my night. Yeah. Like by about halfway through season eight. I'm with you there. I mean, I, I remember cause I started watching it. The first episode I watched live, um, was the fire episode mm. where they have the fire drill, which is in, early in season two. And I was like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. I have to watch every episode of this now. And that's also when, like, My Name is Earl was on. Like, there was, like, a few really good comedies that were on NBC. Um, And I watched it very diligently. But I remember distinctly every season I wanted it to end. Like, I, when I saw the end of season two, I was like, that would be a really good end. Like, even though it's a cliffhanger, it would be a really good ending. And then season three, that would be a really good ending. Season four with Jim and Pam having a kid. That'd be a really good ending. 
in season or is season five the kid ending? What season is, five is the kid ending, isn't it? Season four, that's like when that's Holly's first, like when she first comes to replace Toby. Season four is season five uh, ends with the uh, they find out she's pregnant. Yeah, because season five begins with the proposal. So season five, I'm already when they introduce Fat Michael in the premiere, I'm like, this is funny. I really wish they would end the show because mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to work for too much longer. And then season six, I, I was suspicious and I kind of was like this, this, I really wish they would end this. Can't wait till we get to talk about Mafia, which is the God, episode of the cheesy show. Pete. It's like the first episode after the wedding episode, which is a classic and absolutely when they should have ended the show. The next episode is like the worst episode. Yeah, I, season six onward is uh, is where I start to become a, a Fairweather fan in the show that I, I can't tell you too much about. Yeah. I think it's, I think I've heard this before, people talk about who work on shows, how, especially for the first season or two, you're just like flailing for your life, so you don't hold any idea back. Any If you've been thinking about this show for a few years, yeah. you put it all on paper and you put it out there, and once you do have success, like if you're literally out of ideas and you have to start new ideas... Like with the established characters, it's just going to take a tonal shift, and I think for me the tonal sh- the tonal shift kind of happened for me about season five. Yeah, because I remember as the the Charles Minor episodes, those kind of border for me on like I'm uncomfortable and I don't like. Which this. ones are those? That's toward the that's Michael Scott Paper Company. See, you know what? I'm really excited to talk about season five because Michael Scott Paper Company is uh, my favorite arc in the entire show. And Charles mm-hmm. Minor is that's my favorite thing they ever did was introduce Idris Elba into the show. I love that stuff. Because yeah. he's British. No, he's not British in the show. No, but he is But in I the really life. liked the idea of that's the thing from the British show of, of bringing in a stickler next to David Brent. And I thought that was such a great idea to bring in someone like Idris Elba next to Steve Carell. That's really funny. And so I'm really into the show at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I like the fact that we don't agree. Because on Star Wars, we agree on like everything. We do. With The Office, I don't think we do. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's going to be good to talk about. But yeah, and then season six, like I, I think I just got like on a high from like, because Niagara is like perfect for me. That's like yeah, top five, perfect. top yep. three, top two, maybe my favorite on some days. Mm. But yeah, as that season six and then season seven, like when they when they start teasing Holly. And then, like, I think it's just season seven was about the like the anticipation of the return of Holly yeah. and her coming back because they really were just like such a like you knew it was going to happen at some point. It just yeah. had to, and, and you knew it was did. how they were going to write Steve Carell out of the show. Yeah, On a, I totally forgot about this. Remember, like, second half of season six, I'm about to watch it. Is when Donna comes in and Michael ends up being like a the the mistress. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Totally and he goes to the that. baseball game. For some reason, that's like the the. Sub the plot line I forget about the most in the office is where Michael sleeps with a, a married, married woman. woman, and he goes to the baseball game to like scope him out a little bit. Yeah, that show it loses it. I'm because it like it the it kicks off with like the introduction of Date Mike, which is one of Michael's best. Oh, I can't wait moments. to disagree with you on that. <laughs> can't wait to disagree with you on on blank Mike things. <laughs> I hate that conceit. So. I like that we disagree, but I like that we also, at one point, had the same screen protector on our phones, because I used to have that. Oh, buddy. Good yep. job. Yep. Bad <laughs> had... books at Walmart. Yeah. Walmart. That's where I got this, bad boy. Better prices, better people. Pop John's. <laughs> Sponsor of the show, Walmart. That's right. Yeah. We're officially sponsored by Walmart. Go to your local Walmart and down and, and buy a, a physical <laughs> copy of our podcast, Dunder Mifflin, <laughs> this is Pod. Um, Speaking of... 
like a Riley, quick meter fishing. Can we get? Oh, I'm sorry. Go go ahead, real quick. I thought it was like I literally have to go very soon. But there's a uh, uh, I guess it's a book coming out soon. You know Shea Serrano, the uh, NBA writer. He wrote basketball oh, and other things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Mba. That's yeah. what I call it. He uh, he's writing right now. It's called a uh, conference room. Five minutes. It's like ten illustrated essays about the office. He's putting out a PDF. He's putting out a PDF about the office. And Some NBA player is putting out a PDF about the NBA office. writer, sports oh, writer. writer. Okay, yeah. I was like, yeah. <laughs> okay. So he's putting out a PDF about like a, a paper company, and that's like the whole joke of it. Like you can pre-order, like, and it's going to be delivered via PDF. It's going to be a digital that's only. Book. Unfortunate that some very famous writer is beating us to the punch, but okay. <laughs> um, Riley, where are you at with the office? Ah, uh, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> well. <laughs> um, I really, so next week we'll probably do, uh, more of a beat by beat breakdown of like, uh, diversity day. We'll get into more of the nitty gritty and I am interested to track writers. I want to look at certain writers and what they brought to the show. Mindy Kaling. Right. Wrote yeah. A bunch of good ones. I mean, you had, to- you had Mindy Kaling, you had Toby Lieberstein, who notoriously was just supposed I mean, to be a bit part on that one episode and then the producer of nbc saw him and thought that guy's funny bring him into more episodes and that's how toby became a main character uh said toby lieberstein that's his name is it yes are you sure yep isaac was right There's so, there's so, some, like, half the characters have their real names and half don't. I can't keep them straight. Yeah. They all have, all the ones with their first names are, like, their last names are different. Toby Toby Flinderson is what he Oscar. is in the show. Oscar, yeah. Creed. Angela. Creed is Creed, though. Creed yeah. is Bratton. He is Creed, Creed Bratton. Bratton is literally got, his name. I got a record over there with Creed Bratton on it. Is that true? Yes, from, like, the 60s. And it's actually <laughs> him because he was in that, that band that he says he was. What, what band did he say he the was grassroots? in? Grassroots. Yeah, he was actually in the band called the Grassroots in the I 60s. I didn't know that. He's and a real person. Yeah. You know what else I'm excited to talk about is deleted scenes because that was a huge part of oh, yeah. being an office fan was the deleted scenes, which are always canonical. It's been a while since I've watched those deleted scenes. Me but too. I, I remember, like, when you only had the DVDs, when before it was streaming, it, like, got to the point where I, I would forget like what was deleted and what wasn't because i'd like absolutely i would quote stuff to like a friend at school and they're like what i'm like oh i'm probably thinking of a deleted scene sorry i was the same way and i had the office trivia game Mm -hmm. which uh referenced like deleted scenes and stuff so yep this will be very interesting to talk about next week what is my goal in doing this podcast am i just here to enjoying yourself sure (laughs) i mean maybe just having fun with your good friend i guess so making me feel bad now i guess i'll stick with that one I want to convince you to hate the show. Next week, we'll be here with uh, Diversity. We'll have uh, more guests on the show. And I know Christina and Chelsea and Jasmine will want to be on. They all know The Office probably better than us. So it won't just be two white guys talking about The Office, let alone three. Good well, gravy. That's even worse. That, it really is. Uh, <laughs> What's worse than two white guys? Three. <laughs> Uh, for another week, this has been delicately created long-form discussion of the International Delivered Office You're franchise brought to you lovingly and weekly increments by the loquacious and soothing voices of your Jake, Isaac, yeah, and Riley, the guest. Uh, if we're recommending sports writers, everyone go read 1777-6. What is that? How do you say that? By John Boyce. Yeah. And uh, go find read that. Tony Gerdeman, Richard Yoza. I know personally in real life. <laughs> Okay, there you go. Oh, you do? Is that why he follows? Yeah. Oh, he follows me too.
Hey guys, thanks for listening. That was obviously not an episode of Gramhoff Talkin'. That was a, uh, considered, I guess, a pilot episode for a new podcast that me and Isaac are going to be doing at some point. We have a couple backlogged, but it probably will be a little while before we're able to start releasing regular episodes, but, but we wanted to give you a little taste of what we had planned, and also we ran out of Gramhoff Talkin' episodes that we had recorded, so... Hope you enjoy that. If you uh, are into the idea of an office podcast, let us know. If you're not, we're still going to do it, but let us know. Thanks. Bye. Grace, go!